Welcome and good morning. My name is Mary Buckley and I'm here to speak about mission today. The mission that I'm speaking about is Ipotarac. It's a home for abandoned children in Puebla, Mexico that Montview has supported for over 15 years. In the 1960s, three women wanted to help men coming out of prison and get their lives back together, but they became very discouraged with the recidivism rate. And as they got to know the men that they were working with, they realized that many of them had been on the streets, had been abandoned, and had no family life. So they decided to abandon their mission with the men coming out of prison and to work with children on the streets. So 51 years later, they still have a home. It has 72 boys who live there. Over 2,000 boys have gone through this program. And they're ages 6 to 18. And I say program because it's about providing a home, education, training, and really making sure they have the life skills to have an independent life. Today, we're excited to announce that a girl's home has broken ground as well. And I get choked up because we've been working on this for a long time. And the utilities are in place, and we will be um, seeing the 72 girls someday have the similar opportunity. So Montview, for many years, has been supporting Ipotarac through scholarships for the boys, through a capital campaign donation that built a guest home, and through a youth group that went and built a soccer field that to this day is used every single day. We will be taking another trip in July. On uh, July 13th, the boys will graduate from school and we will go and celebrate several of them who have received scholarships and are finishing their training. So I encourage you to look into this, to join us for the trip. There is a documentary called Visitor's Day which was created by a young woman named Nicole Opper, who was a volunteer there between high school and college. She later became a very Emmy-nominated uh, filmmaker, and she made a film called Visitor's Day. We were going to show it today, but given the weather, we are going to postpone, and you will see an announcement for a new date. It's about 80 minutes, and we'll show it after the 11 o'clock service in the very near future. Thank you very much. Good morning, Montview Church. We are glad you're here. Thank you for all of you who um, joined us for the annual meeting this morning, and thank you to the youth for making a great breakfast. It was a lovely spread, and we are uh, so glad about that. Um, we want to remember, and well, not remember, we want to be thinking about our junior high group and Matthew Benz Whittington, who is our interim youth coordinator, who came to us from Florida a few months ago and is driving a van from the mountains down and is a little nervous about that. So we remember, uh, we're thinking about them, that we know they'll get here safely. Um, as Mary said, the film is canceled after church. That also means that the building will be closed. So after church, the building will be closed. There'll be no youth groups tonight. So just, um, just so you know that for sure. The Inquirer's class, I want to encourage any of you who are interested in exploring membership at Mavia Church or just inquiring about what we're about and who we are and uh, give us an opportunity to meet you and get to know you. February 3rd and 4th will be the, uh, the weekend of that, uh, the, the days of that weekend will be the Inquirer's class. You just have to connect with the church office and let them know if you will be attending and if you'll need childcare. All right, I think that's it.
Let us gather our hearts together and stand if you are able. Let us worship God. invite you to take a deep breath, to hold it, and to release it. Friends, the weekly confession of sin is to give us this opportunity to humbly recognize that we are dependent upon God, and that God is God and we are human. And God invites us to release what we want to control that God is the one who invites us to be set free from all of those faults and failures that burden us down. So with boldness, let us join together in the prayer of confession. Despite our failings, O God, bless us. Despite our little faith and grand egos, despite our fear, our greed, and our petty ways, Bless us, for in your blessing we find strength beyond our own, to love beyond our limits. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Friends, let these words be of comfort to you. God chooses love over hate, forgiveness over blame, and God seeks to release us from our past and give us hope for our future. So receive the good news of Jesus Christ. In Christ you are forgiven. Forgive yourselves, forgive others, and live in peace. Amen.
God has ordained us as people, as ambassadors of peace. So as an ambassador of peace, turn to one another and share the peace of God. The peace of the Lord be with you.
Hi, all. How are you? Oh, good. I'm glad. It's really good to see you all. I have my compadre, my co-pastor here, um, with me this morning. This morning we're talking about a word, blessings. Blessings. So if someone sneezes, what do you say? Bless you. Bless you. Exactly. If, um, if we have someone who has a birthday in the congregation, is Miss Collins here? Is she still here? She is. Your mom does? Oh, sorry. We're not going to shout you out there, Mom. We have a 10-year-old's birthday. Miss Collins is going to be 85 tomorrow. So we have, and so we call them birthday blessings because we're so grateful for those who have birthdays. We get a, it's a time to say thank you. So blessing, what does blessing mean, Pastor Cummins, since you're preaching on it? You could wait for the sermon. <laughs> or in the shorthand, a blessing is a way of, of being grateful to God or God speaking a good word unto us. It's God's favor upon us, those kinds of things. Those are what we think of when we think of blessings. We, it's a well wish. We wish someone well. So blessing means we are so glad we give, you, we give thanks for you. So you know what? I've read that in the ancient times, the priests always blessed with their arms in the air. So let's try this. If you were going to bless someone, you raise your arms in the air and you say, let's say together, bless you. Bless you. Say it again, bless you. Bless you. Look out at those good people and say, bless you. Bless you. Okay, you guys, you get to bless us. That's good. What if we did that every time we came to church? What if you did that in the morning when you got up and you said to your mom and dad, bless you. And then what if you, when you got to school and you saw your teacher and you said, bless you. What do you think he or she would do? Uh, they'd look at you weirdly. Well, they, I bet they'd appreciate it. But that's the kind of people we need to be in the world. We need to think about walking around and blessing and giving thanks for each other because we are God's children. All right? Let's, we're going to pray, and then you can head back to your seats. All right. Gracious God, thank you for these children. They are a blessing to us. Help us to be a blessing to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye, God. Let us join together saying the prayer for illumination. Speak your word of grace and compassion, O God, and may it find its way into our heart. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
And so they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. And the second reading is from the second letter to the church at Corinth. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church.
Good morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, speak a word to us this morning, a good word, a word of hope, a word of challenge, a word of love, a word that we need. Speak to us, O oh God. Amen. So 15 years ago this month, I preached my first sermon here at this church. And a few days before that Sunday, it occurred to me that the person giving the benediction at the end of the service would be me, a thought that made me almost as nervous as preaching itself, because I have always thought that the benediction reveals something about the person, tells you something about what they really believe. It's their theological elevator speech, and I didn't know what mine was. I eventually chose to go with probably the second most traditional benediction there is, from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, which we heard, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each of us this day and all our days. It was a solid choice, I think. It's Trinitarian. It's based in Scripture. And most of all, it's easy to remember. To be honest, what drove my choice at the time had less to do with my theology. I just wanted something short enough and easy enough that in my new guy nervousness, I would not go completely blank and mumble, have a nice day or something. <laughs> Over the years, though, I've, I've had some second thoughts, some buyer's remorse on that decision. Now, it's certainly a fine option as benedictions go, but I wouldn't exactly say it stirs the spirit. It is more bread than bread pudding. It is more Honda than Tesla. It does the job, does it well, but not much more. Those of you who remember former co-pastor Cindy Curley know that hers was a beautiful, poetic thing that regularly left me coveting my neighbor's benediction. I've been thinking about benedictions this week for reasons I'll turn to in a moment. But first, a little background on them. A benediction is a blessing. It's not a prayer. It's not a command. The word means simply to speak well of or to speak a good word. Its intention is to convey divine blessing. And I told you mine was the second most traditional benediction. The first place goes to one from the Old Testament, the book of Numbers that we heard. It's considered the template from which all benedictions followed. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. From there, the idea of benediction or blessing took root in the Jewish psyche. Jews bless everything. They say a blessing before the meal. They say another blessing after the meal. They say blessings on new experiences, old friends, threshold moments. They bless their children. They bless their homes. They bless the family cat. They understand that to speak a good word upon the things that matter most to us 
is a beautiful and important part of living faithfully. Because regardless of what it does for the object of our blessing, it does something for us, doesn't it? It makes us more aware of, more appreciative of our lives. Now, I've heard it said that one of the two moments the congregation remembers most about church is the benediction. The other, of course, is the children's talk. (laughs) We enjoy watching the pastors squirm their way out of a five-year-old's question. I understand that. But why, assuming it's not only because it means church is almost over, do we sit up and take note of the benediction? Part of the reason, I think, is that we have learned that in the benediction and in the children's talk as well, something real can happen. With the children, it's the unscripted nature of it that creates the possibility for God to break in. With the benediction, even though the words are often scripted, what's really happening, I believe, is operating beneath the words. It is is less mind to mind and more body to body. The minister's hands go up. And some of you bow your heads or close your eyes. Some of you lean back and visibly exhale. The truly bold among you offer your palms out like you're a sunbather on a beach, welcoming the warmth. That's because your body knows the benediction isn't some intellectual thing. The minister isn't trying to get you to think about something. The benediction is physical. It's cellular. It's an exchange of spiritual energy that is as much a mystery to the pastor as to the parishioner. Now, if I had to intellectualize what's happening there, and I am hesitant to try, I would say that the benediction is most deeply about our need for grace. Managing our way through even an average week can require just about everything that we have. And some weeks we stumble into church clearly a little frayed around the edges, our spirits a parched and desolate land. In those times, the preacher's best words are not going to reach us. We don't need something to think about. We need a direct infusion. We need God to work under our own radar. Music can do this sometimes. Communion, I think, can do this. And the benediction can do this. It can catch us unaware, surprise us, having been brave, so brave, all week long, we almost forget our weakness and our dependence. And those hands go up and we remember that we don't want to do this alone. We remember our need for grace and for mercy, our need, period. And suddenly, for reasons we can't explain, we're on the edge of tears. Something like that happened for me last Sunday. 
Reverend Terry Woodbury was our preacher for the day, and at the end of the 8.30 service, I stood beside him, and his arms went up, and he said, go forth into the world in peace. Be of good cheer. Render to no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Lift the fallen. Heal the sick. And raise the dead. And when he said, raise the dead, I got this lump in my throat. I could have started crying. And I don't, I don't know why. It wasn't the words per se. I've heard those words before. It didn't happen at the 11 o'clock service. But something about that first service in that moment got behind my defenses, under my skin, and the stony parts of my heart softened a little. Later, I asked Terry where he found that benediction. He said his first pastor, one of his mentors, used a variation of it. Terry said he added the line at the end about raising the dead when he started working in failing rural churches in Kansas because that's what they were doing. I did some research on it and found it's actually quite widely known or some variation. It's based on 1 Thessalonians. It's even been in our Presbyterian book of worship. But the best benedictions, I think, get passed down like that, pastor to pastor, kind of an apostolic succession to them. And along the way, they get personalized, modified, the way Terry had added his line. So I asked Terry if I could use his benediction going forward. It's been 15 years. feels like a good time for a change. And because grace is so central to the way I think about benediction, I'm going to add my own line at the end. But in closing, I want to say a word not about my benediction, but about yours. Are ministers the only one allowed to give benedictions? I don't think so. We, the professionally religious, have been given the permission, the authority to offer these blessings, and we've gotten used to the rather absurd idea that we can raise our hands and expect that the Almighty is going to show up. But ever since the Protestant Reformation and the priesthood of all believers, we know that God can make any of us a conduit of blessing. So I want to give you the permission, if you feel you need it, to bless the world around you, to speak your benediction upon it. The first time when I raised my hands up, they felt like they weighed 100 pounds. I could barely get them above my head. Who did I think I was? But I've learned that giving the benediction isn't about the one giving it, and it doesn't mean they're special. The benediction is about God's grace, and it means that God can work even with the likes of these to do something special. And I wonder how we might see ourselves differently and see our world differently if we thought of ourselves more with the, the power, the authority to bless others. So I want to encourage you to practice blessing the world around you. 
Bless your family and your friends. Bless your children and other people's children. As you walk through the grocery, say a benediction in your heart for the tired mom with the crying baby or the lonely-looking teenager. I suggest you resist the urge to raise your hands as you do it. <laughs> Bless the bed you sleep in, the potholders, and the author of the book you're enjoying. Bless the sunset and the dying moth and the person you think is your enemy. You have the authority to do this. And you don't have to know what great things God might do through that blessing. Your work is simply to bless and to know that you are blessed, to receive the benediction and to give the benediction. Amen.
As we pray, I will allow a moment of silence between each bidding. Let us join our hearts in prayer. God of the waters of rain and snow and baptism, we come in faith and hope, acknowledging your presence among us. Let our minds and our hearts be filled with stillness as we pray. Hear us as we pray for the church in its many forms and gatherings here and throughout the world. Our one baptism unites us all. May the church serve faithfully and lovingly in the ways of God, calling people out of shallowness into a deeper understanding and obedient response to your love. Lord, we pray for all who serve, who serve us in local and state and national government, that a spirit of integrity and honesty may underlie all discussion, and that a desire for goodness, especially goodness to give care for those who have the least voice and the least resources. May their compassion inspire their decisions. We pray for all families, especially those experiencing difficulties, that they may not be damaged through their suffering, but rather grow in compassion and understanding. May they trust that your path always leads to healing and reconciliation. We pray for those in pain and distress, for the bereaved and the long-term ill, for those who have had recent diagnosis to face, for those suffering in body, mind, or spirit. Strengthen and comfort them by your presence. And God, we are bold to pray for ourselves our desire to believe that you have called us, that you have blessed us, that you know us by name, and that we are yours. May trusting this truth transform our very lives. In thankfulness and praise, we remem remember and humbly receive all your many blessings. And we pray the prayer together that Jesus taught his disciples saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. With what shall we come before the Lord this day? We come with a love for justice and a passion to share Christ's love with a world in need. 
And so let us this morning bring a portion of the gifts we've been given as a sign, as an offering of healing in a world that so needs God's healing. Let us receive the morning offering.
Let us pray together the prayer of dedication, saying, God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills and our works, a continual thank offering to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite you to be seated this time for the benediction because in the spirit of God's uh, abundance of good words to us, we're going to share a number of benedictions with you and invite you to just let them soak over you. May God the Creator prepare your way, Jesus the Redeemer guide your footsteps, the spirit of life give you courage. The three-in-one watch over you on every road you follow. The peace of God be in your heart. The grace of God be in your words. The love of God be in your hands. And the joy of God be in your soul. May the love of God, the tenderness of Jesus, and the presence of the Spirit gladden your heart and bring peace to your soul. May the peace of God reign in this place, and the love of God forever hold you tight. May the Spirit of God flow through your life 
and the joy of God uphold you day and night. May the Spirit of Christ surround you and those whom you love. Rest now in that calm embrace. Let your hearts be warmed and all storms be stilled by the assurance of God's love for you. Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good cheer. Render to no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Lift the fallen. Heal the sick and raise the dead. For the grace of God is all around you. Thank you. 